Hello and welcome to the Sanames 4 SDG podcast series. I'm your host Divya Sahani. At Sanames 4 we strongly support the march towards achieving the SDGs by 2030. Given our close working relationships with the government, corporates, not-for-profits and universities over the last decade, we recognize that they can serve as critical agents to achieving the SDGs, especially within India. This podcast is an endeavor to bring together the great minds that are contributing to the global march in their own unique way. In September 2019, India's finance minister made a landmark announcement by significantly widening the scope of CSR. Companies were finally allowed to use their CSR spending towards funding research in India's public institutions. In our podcast this week, we try to explore to what extent can international universities engage within India's CSR space considering the new ruling and how can they support the country's wider research agenda. To provide an insider perspective on this topic, we have with us this week Christine Potter, newly appointed director of consulting North America at Sanames 4. Prior to this, Christine was the executive director of global operations at Cornell University, where she provided strategic leadership and functional supervision for the university's global operations unit. Christine's team supported all the global operations conducted by Cornell, including international teaching, training, coursework, research and other activities. Christine, thank you for joining us on the podcast today and welcome to the broader Sanames 4 family. I'm sure it's been a roller coaster onboarding process with everything that has panned out over the last 4 months. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much, Divya. I really appreciate that kind introduction. Fantastic. So let's get right into the topic of discussion today. Christine, as you know, Uh, this podcast series more generally focuses on how different multi-stakeholder partners are contributing to the wider movement towards the SDGs and i'm just curious to know given your extensive experience working in this higher education sector over the past two decades what are your views on how universities contribute towards the SDGs So first of all I think it's important to point out that the United Nations supports countries in achieving the SDGs through integrated solutions. So you know today's complex challenges they cannot be easily tackled just in isolation or silos. And that means that there's a need to focus on systems and root causes and connections between these challenges, not just on thematic sectors if you will. So we need to build solutions that respond to people's daily realities. And universities are already studying these systems and the root causes and the connections and they're evaluating what works and what doesn't. And while some country uh some of the research might be country specific um others are researching the interconnectedness more holistically i think you know right now research is already published and it's open to the public and governments and communities and organizations can all learn from the outcomes of research uh that's readily available and they can apply it in their own settings In addition to research, universities are also engaged in capacity building and training and other impactful projects around the world, including in India. And 
you may know this already, Divya, but private uh, donors and public donors already support universities uh, that are working in developing countries, you know, from water sanitation projects to women's empowerment projects, education projects, and so forth. And universities around the world are already contributing in this space. Um, I'll give you a, an example here one I'm familiar with, and that's the Gates Foundation. Um, you know, they fund the technical assistance and research for Indian Nutrition and Agriculture Project, or called Tarina for short. And that's hosted within the Tata Cornell Institute for Agriculture and Nutrition at Cornell University. All of the local outreach is conducted by local staff in India with support from scholars at Cornell. And the program works with a consortium of organizations in India and has an overarching goal of a more nutrition sensitive food system in India. And they provide technical assistance in the field and they work with NGOs and development partners in several Indian states to redesign agricultural projects to ensure nutrition outcomes at scale. And just imagine how great it would be if universities could also tap into CSR to amplify that work that they're already doing to contribute to the SDGs. Absolutely. And that actually brings me to my next question, Christine. Um, in the beginning of this podcast, I mentioned a new policy change that came across um, by the Ministry of Finance last year. Um, given some of you know these new policy moves that we're seeing in the country, what are some of the evolving areas where U.S. universities are focusing their project activity in India? And a more specific follow-up question to that is that are U.S. institutions viewing CSR in particular uh, as a new opportunity? Well, as you mentioned, uh, companies can now contribute CSR to publicly funded universities and IITs for research. They can also contribute to, you know, national laboratories and autonomous bodies, say like uh, the Indian Council for Agricultural Research or um, the Defense Research and Development Organization, among others. I think that there what this means is that the, the type and the scope of opportunities for foreign institutions to collaborate with these institutions and, and organizations within India is tremendous. Um, we're only now just starting to see foreign institutions engage with Indian universities and, and institutions on these CSR-funded research projects. We're likely to see many more in the future, you know, ranging from incubator projects to capacity building to energy-related projects, um, training programs, uh, you name it. We're, we're just seeing a ton of different types of projects being implemented or at least uh, in the initial planning stages. And I think, you know, in terms of U.S. institutions viewing CSR in India as a new opportunity, I think, for one, India, uh, we should be clear that it's already a strategic partner for many institutions. Uh, universities have deep and longstanding partnerships in, in, in India, and they're very invested in maintaining those relationships. But funding is always a challenge uh, to keeping those partnerships vibrant. And so I think leveraging CSR it will be a terrific opportunity for institutions to build upon their existing India strategy while also supporting the SGGs. I think a couple of the challenges, and, and we'll probably talk about this a little bit more later on, but many universities don't know about CSR or they don't know how to find CSR-funded opportunities. 
Um, or they might not even have the partnerships on the ground or the staff in India to help source that funding. So finding a trusted advisor in country can help take out that guesswork for sourcing CSR or finding viable partnerships. And one of the challenges that we see a lot of U.S. institutions face is them not having the appropriate models through which they can tap into some of these CSR funds on the ground. And I know that you delved into this space to some extent while you were at Cornell. So what are your thoughts on that? Are there some other kind of models which universities can look at besides having legal entities? Well, you know, I think legal entities have a lot of benefits, and um, I can speak to those um, because I think it is an important way to really plant a flag in India and and help drive your own projects. But if without having your own entity, I think um, you know they're partnering with local NGOs and with other institutions, those organizations that I talked about previously will be really important. Um, working with corporations, a lot of times, as I mentioned, there's there's a lot of corporations out there who may not have a robust structure to be able to manage directly implementing CSR projects. So they do need a local NGO to implement projects. Thinking of partners on the ground, I know that um, when we're talking of SDGs, uh, so many times, you know, we, we hear of universities collaborating with nonprofit organizations, um, local institutions, uh, research councils, as you mentioned. But another potential, perhaps not collaboration source, but funding source is actually um, the extensive alumni base that a lot of U.S. institutions have in India. Um, and we're seeing this trend where, you know, international universities are making a consistent effort to go out, expand their alumni base, engage them in order to essentially tap into some of the CSR funds that may exist within, you know, their own successful ventures and companies. Um, have you witnessed this trend and how do you see it panning out? Mm, that's a very good question. You know, Indian nationals often represent a fairly large percentage of international alumni at foreign universities. And when those alumni graduate, as you mentioned, um, a lot of them go back to India or have affinities back home, and they have treasure or time to share with their with their alma mater. But they want to find ways to contribute to meaningful projects in their home country. I think universities have an opportunity here to help their alumni realize their goals, um, to either you know improve livelihoods or further SDGs within India. But I think it's important for universities to uh, cultivate those relationships with alumni, and those development professionals need to work together with with those alumni to identify opportunities that resonate with the donor. There's definitely been a trend toward. Um, you know, alumni who have gone back to India set up larger corporations who now have generous CSR funds. They really want to figure out a way to sort of bridge their alma mater and and, and meaningful projects in, in their home country. Universities that do have a not-for-profit set up uh, in India can demonstrate their commitment to, to the country and then also provide a framework for alumni to designate either donations or CSR funding um, through that organization. Well, that's fantastic to hear. And I love the point that you mentioned that, you know, 
such an activity can even help the alumni realize their own kind of broader term goals. Um, and as we're seeing increasingly, the sustainable development goals is something that requires commitment at all stages, right? It is, you know, in the classroom, it's outside the classroom when students are going to internships and engaging in uh, meaningful experiential learning programs. And then finally, when they do graduate and they are responsible citizens of their respective countries, they continue to engage and work towards the SDGs. Absolutely. Okay, fantastic. So it seems like there are a lot of opportunities. And with, you know, some of the new policy measures coming out, you know, it is going to ease the ability of international institutions to engage um, in India's CSR space. However, there is also um, a lot of chatter in the sector in terms of some significant hurdles that are not allowing this deep engagement to take place. So according to you, Christine, what are the key hurdles? I won't request you to expand on all of them, but what are maybe a few key hurdles um, that if addressed and looked at very seriously can help international universities engage more deeply with both Indian corporates as well as Indian institutions? Okay, well, first of all, let's think about the fact that CSR provisions were introduced in 2013. And the consequences of that law were felt by approximately 16,000 corporations in India. Out of those 16,000, only 1,000 of those already had well-developed CSR programs. So the other 15,000 have uh, been scrambling to set up the internal governance and expertise to dive into this field. Uh, so that's, you know, a big hurdle is just sort of uh, local infrastructure and knowledge to implement CSR programs to begin with. In terms of foreign institutions, I would say the first hurdle is that most institutions just don't know where to start. Um, they might not have the presence on the ground that they need to cultivate the relationships. They might be having a hard time um, identifying corporations to work with. They might lack um, uh, the resources to tap into those. Um, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with principal investigators who are working on projects that um, could be very valuable to to the government of India, for example. And I asked them, you know, do you know of anybody um, working in your sector in India who, who you might be able to partner with to, to focus on a CSR-related project? And I would say probably 95% of the time, the faculty just don't have those intimate connections. They're working here in the U.S., um, and they don't have the relationships needed to really um, cultivate the partnerships needed to, to develop the projects. So that's that's another hurdle. I think, a, a, and I was trying to think through, you know, what would it take? What would it take to to make CSR projects easier to identify and implement. And I think one, one way might be to have sort of a CSR marketplace or even a matchmaking service, even if they were tied to SDGs so that um, corporations and universities and principal investigators and researchers um, were easy easier to connect and, and those relationships could be uh, cultivated more easily. That's actually a really interesting idea. In fact, I feel that we should look at building it out ourselves. 
<laughs> Thank you so much, Christine, for joining us today on the SGG podcast. I'm sure our listeners found your insider perspective extremely insightful, um, and we look forward to having you on the podcast series again. Thank you so much, Debbie. I really appreciate the invite. This episode was powered by Manic Pod.